This is a cats only lovers podcast. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Cat lovers only. Well. Yeah, we're rebranding. Cool. Enjoy your podcast. Everybody, welcome to Talking Under Cats. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Amy's No Longer Part of This Podcast. (laughs) Okay, so let's do the intro. Welcome to Talking Under Cats. I'm, wait, what's the next one? (laughs) One water. It's not talking under cats. I know. I'm hijacking it. Okay, fine. Welcome to Talking Under Water. One water. One podcast. I'm Lauren Baltus, managing editor of Stormwater Solutions. I'm Bob Crossan, managing editor of Waterways Digest. And I'm Amy McIntosh, managing editor of Water Quality Products. So as you heard, we are rebranding to Talking Under Cats, apparently. I refuse. <laughs> Hope you all love cats as much as you love water. Well, all right, thanks crickets, for letting that drop. Crickets? crickets? Wow, cut, cut that out. Dang. Oh, this is our last crap. podcast of 2018, guys. Wow. Do you know the other day Bob goes... Can you believe it's almost 2020 next year? And I was like, it's not though. <laughs> yeah, and then I, to which I responded, it's okay, time isn't real. Time is a flat circle, guys. Set up a coral set again right now. Amy and I are on this. We're got, we got this wave later. Okay. <laughs> Amy and I are making a time podcast. So <laughs> we are famous, if you guys didn't know, and we were featured on um, Xylem's website as nine podcasts on the water industry and water technology whoa that oh okay nine nine podcasts on the water industry and water technology that's worded kind of weird yeah it is kind of worded weird but we are on this listicle that xylem put together of water podcasts that they think are influential and helpful and all that so thank you for your support you helped us get there yeah we're excited we're famous we're influenced. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we are not. Now, now on, on to how we do, how we are influencers. Let's talk about some news with, with the biggest being the Waters of the United States uh, mm-hmm. proposal from the EPA. Um, now, I know that, I think, I know, I know that Sarah, my associate editor, Sarah, she actually sat, uh, listened to the, um, live stream that they mm. had and whatnot just mm-hmm. to learn a little bit more about it she said it was really interesting we have posts on all of our websites that kind of explains what the differences mm-hmm. are and what the contentious parts of it are um it sounds like i mean I, I actually found a blog that i wrote in 2017 about this about how it's the the main contention here is between agricultural users mm-hmm. who have private land and how will the water is controlled by federal government on that land, mm-hmm. even if it's like Amy and I were talking before we were started recording, even if it's just melted snow mm-hmm. or a pond or just a gathering of rain in a certain yeah. area because of how the land lies. Um, so there was a lot of contentious things around that because technically that's their land, it should be their water, they should own it, not the federal government. Mm-hmm. And how do you regulate that? And how do you regulate that so it doesn't impact water quality, mm-hmm. but also maintain the property rights for that for that like landowner? Yeah, and I know a lot of environmental groups are really um, upset about this new definition because it essentially is saying that the navigable waters are 
the big ones basically and the ephemeral mm-hmm. um, bodies of water like puddles and ditches and mm-hmm. some of the smaller ones that maybe aren't as permanent or um, as large um, are not regulated and that seems to be an environmental concern yeah. for many groups. But mm-hmm. anybody in the stormwater world knows that those are some of the most important, those tiny little water bodies mm-hmm. of stormwater are some of the most important and potentially dangerous to yeah. our water mm-hmm. resources. Well, just think about like, when you see a stagnant puddle, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like it doesn't get prettier over time. Well, <laughs> that's <laughs> the thing, that seems to be the most con- concentrated sources of pollution mm-hmm. a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and this I think this also ties into the algal bloom issue as well, mm-hmm. right? So we're talking if the primary thing here is with agricultural users and like their land and whatnot, we all know that the runoff from that land contributes pretty heavily to um, harmful algal blooms and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So if you deregulate that, you're only going to make that problem worse. Mm-hmm. So if it's deregulated on the private property, how do you handle it off when it gets off the private property? Right. What are what are the solutions to solving the the algal bloom issue without invading a private property owner's mm-hmm. space and mm-hmm. rights and that right. kind of thing? And I think one of the questions here is will we start seeing when will we start seeing the effects of this new rule? Mm-hmm. Will it be in the next 2 years? Will it be in the next 5 yeah. to 10 years? Um, well, when, when is it supposed to be enacted? Because right now it's just a proposal, right? Right, yeah. There's um, a 60-day okay. uh, comment period. So yeah. it hasn't <laughs> been official yet. And I, wonder, I really wonder how many comments oh, I'm, are, sure. I'm sure there's thousands <laughs> yes. of comments on that already. In um, my State of the Industry report for Stormwater Solutions, I interviewed... Um, Derek Berg and he was saying how a lot of these new um, regulations we won't really even start to see the damages mm-hmm. for many years when it's p- potentially too late to make any kind of change mm-hmm. um, something that I was thinking about when I was reading this yeah well and like I like I had mentioned I found this blog that I had written in 2017 when I was working on water quality products mm-hmm. and part of um, what, what I mentioned in that blog was the um, the repeal of the string protection rule. If you remember that, that was like shortly after Donald Trump had been elected, uh-huh. he removed the string protection rule so yes. industrial users could discharge into streams and whatnot um, yeah. without having to meet certain discharge criteria that they had to meet prior to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so tying that in with the WOTUS definition, it mm-hmm. really made the, the regulation aspects of it are, I mean, it's, it's basically highly irregular like unregulated now Um, and the point that I made when I wrote this which I still feel strongly about is that there there are arguments for both sides of this that make a lot of sense and Mm -hmm. like you need to there there are rights that we have to be considered for both sides the biggest thing about this though is really weighing the consequences of what one thing will do Mm -hmm. over another how great of an influence will this one thing make on a greater population versus the individual owner? Is it worth the individual owner sacrificing property rights to make sure the rest of the the community has mm-hmm. safe water to drink, for instance? Yeah. <laughs> these, are, these are definitely, I mean, I think the way it is now, it definitely favors business and industry mm-hmm. and agriculture, all that. But like you said, it's 
what is it doing for the greater good? Yes. Well, it's interesting, like you said, there are interesting points on both sides, but mm-hmm. sometimes um, I think we focus so so closely on clean water mm-hmm. and healthy waterways mm-hmm. that it almost seems like shocking yeah. that something like this would change because it's so so um, such a big part of our day to day is focusing on that and this is mm-hmm. but this is you know it's not there are two sides to it yeah. is what I'm trying to mm-hmm. say yeah. and we tend we tend on the in the water side to focus on healthy waterways which mm-hmm. is yeah. usually just one side of this yeah yeah sorry it just seems like in a perfect world that like people would regulate themselves without having have having to be forced to do right, it. They right. would care enough about right. the waterways to be like, oh, perhaps I won't dump this oil in mm-hmm. a driveway or something. Like, but <laughs> historically, that's not, I don't, that's not yeah. the case. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's just, it's a really interesting confluence of, mm-hmm. um, like, pollution with property rights mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And, I think the most interesting part of it is with this agricultural thing and the private land and whatnot, if the, with the new proposal, what's to stop that from happening on an industrial site Mm -hmm. and then similar things happening there where it's probably and more likely more toxic. Mm -hmm. Are there going to be specific rules to industrial parks, for instance, like this is zoned industrially or Mm -hmm. an enterprise zone or something of that nature and say that in those instances it has to be this way, whereas in... If it's zoned agriculturally, it follows this rule. Is it going to be split up like that? Okay. Um, is it worth splitting up like that? Because then you then you're getting into a lot of administrative fees to maintain multiple different areas and silos right. of regulation. Um, I don't know. So, I don't know the I don't know the answer. I just I, I but I do think that really weighing these the consequences of mm-hmm. what these words mean is critical. Like it's it's so important it could change everything for clean water for certain people why don't you have the answers bob yeah don't you know everything we need the answers (laughs) figure it out yeah well Um, and then one one last point on this is the effect that it would have on wells i think mm -hmm. that that's the other like yeah because a lot of people there's more small systems than there are Mm -hmm. large systems in the u.s and there are a lot of well drinkers in the u.s and as, and those well drinkers predominantly are in agricultural areas, yes. and the effect mm-hmm. that this would have on those wells is also really important. I would love to hear from a water treatment dealer about their take on this. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get one on the line. No, that's, um, that would be interesting. I would. So, yeah. in other words, it's something to watch during this mm-hmm. like period, and then certainly something to watch if it becomes law. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, if you have strong opinions on it. Go and make them known to the EPA. Mm-hmm. Go and comment on or their website. Us. Or comment on, well, I mean, comment to the EPA yeah. first. Yeah. For sure. There's get, nothing yeah. we can do about it. But. <laughs> get involved Get involved with, with this. If, it, if you have strong feelings on it one way or the other, get involved with it and voice your opinion. I mean, there's a reason there's a public comment period for so long, and it's to get the experts to comment on yeah. it. So definitely get involved with that. And if you want to share that opinion with us as well, we are happy, happy to, dis- to, hear to, to hear it and discuss it on our on our podcast too because I'm sure there's yeah. angles or we're not even thinking about that you mm-hmm. probably are aware of. I'll have a column on it in the February issue of Stormwater Solutions. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, we just got back from California. 
Yeah. Yeah. Switching. Talking water. <laughs> Switching gears. Switching that was a gears nice little and transition. Yeah. So we, we went to California to do some site visits and whatnot. Um, uh, one of those visits was the Terminal Island Water Reclamation. Not to be consu- confused with the Terminal Island Correctional Facility. <gasps> we should have. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, who who is the famous? Charles Manson oh. pre. It was Charles Manson pre Sharon Tate. Oh, okay. When he was like, you know, just a petty criminal. Yeah. That Important would... to clarify. Important to clarify. <laughs> this was before things got like way worse. Uh, Anywho. And Al Capone. Oh yeah, Al Capone. Yeah. Too. That's who I was thinking of oh, too. Well. <laughs> in any yeah. case, in any case. This, <laughs> so we weren't there, but it was there. It was yeah. next door, I think. Uh, I, so on Terminal Island in in LA, it's kind of <laughs> South LA on the on the coast there, between some shipping harbors. Uh, there's a water reclamation facility. Um, it's been there for I can't even remember how many years. It was started in like what the 20s or something, 20s or 30s, maybe even earlier. Something yeah, like well, it had something to do with the Japanese shipping or fishing. Yeah, because there's a Japanese shipping vi- or, or ship fishing village. Wow, <laughs> I couldn't. Yeah, I it. know we both did it. <laughs> uh, the Japanese fishing village there, there yeah, um, and that was pre that was pre the concentration camps and all that kind of stuff. But they did apparently round up all of them and move them out mm-hmm. of there. Um, mm-hmm. But this plant was there at that time, supposedly. Mm-hmm. It's not really clear, um, or at least we. The man that we talked to there, Andrew Howard, he didn't really know a lot of the ins and outs of that particular history, so he wasn't able to provide us more detail on that. But it was an interesting point. Mm-hmm. Um, more on the side of the plant itself, it has been discharging water into the harbor for a really long time, mm-hmm. but in the next couple of years, they have promised to basically don't exactly. not do that anymore. And this harbor is one of the most polluted Mm-hmm. In the in the world, it sounded like yeah, or at least definitely the, in the U.S. Yeah, he said it's definitely one, probably on the uh, specifically on the like West the Coast. western seaboard for yeah. sure. Um, but so their their goal is to not discharge into that harbor anymore, so that the water quality can improve. Um, and as part of that, they've they've they're still discharging now, and to kind of mitigate a lot of the problems that it's causing, they've introduced an advanced treatment process with advanced oxidation and um, reused water and whatnot um, mm-hmm. and they're purifying the water to a point that he said they've been selling it to industrial users for other applications it's pure enough to be mm-hmm. used I I would imagine for like cooling tower blowdown and mm-hmm. other things like that Silicon Valley could use mm-hmm. um, but he said that they're also looking at trying to bottle some of it they mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to sell it because they're not a water utility and they wouldn't have the authority to do that but so they would like to try and bottle it and start moving toward a potable reuse situation there. It's just a matter of kind of turning the, the tides on public opinion on that, mm-hmm. which I imagine once everything in Orange County is up and running with their potable reuse, yeah. and it'll become so much more commonplace for that area, especially in California, that it will be a lot easier to roll out for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was also a very pretty plant. It was so pretty. Like, the pipes yeah. were all painted mm-hmm. and... Yeah. Lilac pipes, purple pipes. Yeah. It was really pretty. I'll, I'll um I'll get I'll I'll get some pictures together that um, we can put on our post for the for this podcast. Mm-hmm. So if you if you want to see what the plant looks like, go and go and check that out. We will have video on this also after the first of the year. Um, they, so look look out for that too. And there was um the streets 
at one point we were at the corner of Biosolids and Primary Lane. <laughs> so we love that humor. <laughs> yeah. It was like it was a nice plant. It, yeah, it was it was really picturesque. It looked very different from most other plants that we've been to. Yeah. The the meeting room that we sat in to learn about the history of the plant yeah. was basically like an indoor pineapple shape. Yeah. It was like really that was interesting. Yeah. They had good diagrams for tours, educational mm-hmm. diagrams. Yeah. So. Yeah. So anyway, we, we do have we have some video that we took there. Yes. We will be po- we will be putting together a video after the first of the year. So please just check our website. Uh, it'll be on wwdmag.com/videos at that time, um, and I'll let you know on the next podcast when it's yep. up. So between that and our next site visit, we have the best tacos of our lives <laughs> in Huntington Beach. So that's really important. And we, got, and we got 15 minutes to go to the beach. And we saw the beach for 15 minutes. Which, for three people from the Chicagoland area in d- the middle of December, that was a true thrill. It was a thrill. <laughs> really, really uplifting and beautiful. Yeah. I got some vitamin D that I yeah. desperately need. Yeah. No one came back tan, though. No, it's no. fine. Sadly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then after that, we stopped. We were in Huntington Beach, and we stopped at the Blue White um, Manufacturing Facility, which is the um, Blue White folks work with Water and Waste Digest and water quality mm-hmm. products, so that was a good opportunity for both of us, well, for all of us to see, but... You know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, it was pretty cool to go in and see people assembling pumps, metering pumps, mm-hmm. um, and whatnot. It was not. I, I guess I haven't been in many manufacturing facilities, but it was just so quiet and clean. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool to see. Um, and they were they showed us some of the efficiencies that they've um, efficiency improvements that they've made. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, and they really tried to make it so that people don't have to lift things or mm. pick anything up because it's all heavy equipment and it's very taxing to lift that stuff, I guess. So like in one area, when the pumps are finished and they go to get boxed up um, to be mailed out, they mm. cut a hole in the wall <laughs> and put a conveyor belt to like send the pump to the box area where they just kind of drop it in the box. Um, and I thought that was pretty interesting. They were saying that they toyed around with a few options, like lifting it over the wall and dropping it down. And they were like, well, we could just cut a hole in the wall, <laughs> which is what they did. So um, The true engineers yeah. answered to the problem. Yep. Yeah. But it was a really cool facility, aside from the manufacturing aspect. You know, they it really showed us how they value their employees. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They have a gym. They have um, a... It was called Studio 53, mm-hmm. up in kind of a loft area on the second floor, um, where, where the employees are encouraged to go up and kind of try out new ideas. Brainstorm. And, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and it's um, just a different looking space. It's a very colorful space with a yeah. bunch of oddly shaped chairs and other pieces of furniture. There's arcade games, mm-hmm. a giant TV. Um, it, it's, it's a really, like, fun place it looks like, it looks like a primary room like classroom yeah like an elementary school classroom and that yeah the idea was to generate ideas and get them thinking creativity yeah mm-hmm. it was very cool to see the behind the scenes mm-hmm. which you don't always see mm-hmm. for this type of technology and they really make an effort to you know improve their employees work life and also produce really good products so mm-hmm. that was cool yeah they 
just the passion of the people giving us the tour right. of Rob, like Rob especially. Yeah. Like you could see that like he's so proud of yeah. this facility and like the work that they do there. How far and, they've come. Yeah, and just the the history of the company. History is that. cool. Yeah, because it started yeah. as a as a pool company. Um, I, I get was his was that his grandfather? Grandf- his grandfather. Yeah, his grandfather developed the um, the s- the Weirgate skimmer. Mm-hmm. So you yes. know that like the little flap on the side of the pool that opens up to skim the water. His grandfather patented that, yeah. and from the patent royalties, developed Blue White Industries yep. as a ma- means to do flow Long. meters and stuff mm-hmm. for pools. That was essentially what it was mm-hmm. initially, and now it's moved into bigger markets, industrial markets, and um, moving more yeah. municipally. But it was really cool. I, I, I agree with Lauren there that we, we tend to see a lot of the plants where everything's already in action, and mm-hmm. we don't really see the behind the scenes of mm-hmm. how it got to that point right. to begin with. Right, yeah. And what, one, one more point with that before we move on to the next visit was um, he said that they do have like imitation products abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, so handling that yeah. issue and how they are tackling that issue was also really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll let, I, I'd rather let Rob explain that in the video that we'll, yeah. we'll make, because I did inter- we, we interviewed him there and there's some video we'll have on that as well. But um, stay tuned for that video, because that was really interesting for how they're trying to combat this yeah. imitation product abroad where they're like, a company is literally using their logo and their seals to yeah. uh, promote products that are inferior and aren't their products at all. Yeah. I hadn't even thought of That's that crazy. as an issue that they would run into, yeah. but of course, yeah, of course it is. Um, so that we also visited a stormwater top project site. Um, it's uh, I believe Browns Boulevard Park. Um, it was their stormwater management project, and I'll just kind of touch on it briefly because we have. We'll have a video on it and a write-up in the magazine, and it's on our website. Um, But it's a pretty cool project. Um, They have this channel, and instead of letting the stormwater continue down the channel, they're using this air-inflated rubber dam diversion system, which when they're like, we're going to inflate it for you guys, we're like, yeah. And then it was very slow, so it was not not what we we thought it was going to blow up right like an air mattress almost but um once it was inflated it was very cool to see how um it um diverts the water to this pretreatment system and storage system um and is ultimately being used to irrigate the park um and this part of california is extremely drought stricken it's no secret um and so this type of reuse is becoming more and more important and used more frequently so um it was cool to see all the steps of this project and ultimately um, the beautiful park that it's in. So stay tuned for a video on that um, and check out the November, December issue for a write-up. Yeah. One of the, I think one of the things that struck me the most about that project was how that they, they built it trying to be as conscious about it being in a residential neighborhood mm-hmm. as possible mm-hmm. and like how that, basically that machine, the, the how the little shed that houses all yeah. the smart machinery yeah, and stuff so cute. is yes. dressed up to look like a small little house. It's adorable. Yeah. yeah. And um, they said that when they were under construction installing the storm trap system, they there's bleachers there because there that used to be like a, a baseball field, and they turned the bleachers around so that residents and their kids could come watch 
Oh, yeah. the construction yeah. oh, and yeah. see the installment of this project which is really cool because it's it's fun to educate people mm-hmm. on these types of things yeah well and also this system the park is like right in the middle of a residential area like mm-hmm. across the street are mm-hmm. houses so if you imagine what's happening underground there this like giant hole in the ground mm-hmm. being that close to people's houses that's probably kind of annoying for them to have Mm -hmm. to like deal with that or like Mm -hmm. look at that so it's cool that they try to get them involved in some way Mm -hmm. totally yeah and this and this diverted water so like did it save like flooding in people's basements and stuff like that too yes yes a lot of flooding yeah yeah so ultimately like they're they're probably relieved they're like oh thank god right right Mm -hmm. right so it's pretty cool one yeah and finally so then um, (laughs) drum roll please (laughs) (laughs) well this so Monday, um, so I had gone to California for the weekend before everyone else joined me for work things. Um, <laughs> and up where I was staying for the weekend um, was pretty close to where the recent wildfires were. The Woolsey Fire, I believe mm-hmm. is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found a dealer in the area in Canoga Park, California. Um, and I reached out to them. They were super helpful. It was um, Puro Serve Water Conditioning. Um, I spoke with the vice president, John Foley, there, who um, told me that they serve a lot of um, large homes and um, very, I think it's like a very well to do area in like Malibu and that area. Um, and he, said that you know some of his customers lost their houses and whatnot and he sent me some photos so i went monday morning to meet them at their um, office and i was there for about two hours to talk to john um and he it was really interesting we have an interview that we're going to play for you um but it's pretty brief i as i said i spoke to him for about two hours so some of the highlights of what he had to say um where he really emphasized that, you know, when you have a hurricane or a flood, that kind of impacts everyone on a very widespread level. Mm-hmm. But these fires can destroy one house and leave the next one completely untouched. So mm-hmm. it's he said only about 2% of his customer base was affected, which is very small. But, you know, those people who were affected lost everything. So um, he also made a good point, which I don't believe is in the interview, but it's something we talked about, that up in Paradise, which is where the other fire was, he said that the difference between those two fires was that the... Is it the campfire? Yes. The um, the Paradise area is... Um, I don't think it's, like, low income, but it's, very, it's definitely more middle class than the Malibu area. Mm-hmm. So he was like, you know, people who lose their houses up there may not ever be able to rebuild or, like, yeah. not, be, not be able to do it right away. But the people in Malibu, a lot of them have guest houses. A lot of them, right. you know, would get on the phone immediately and just, like, get a rental. Right. Um, so they definitely have the means to take care of it a lot faster than some of the other mm-hmm. people. So um, he also really emphasized being sensitive to his customers' needs. You know, people would call in and say, I can't pay my bill. And then he was like, don't worry about it, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> like, Or, like, you know, um, people who are under boil orders – he would say, boil the water. Like, don't right, mm-hmm. right. don't mess around with that. Um, right. So he well, was, he and his staff, um, I met some of the people in the front office. Um, 
and they're all very well trained to like be sensitive to these people who have gone through this traumatic experience mm-hmm. um so it was pretty interesting and so we have the um interview here i'm also going to put this together in a video on wqp's um site it'll be out again early next year um but John also is going to send me some photos, which are, it's you know, it's one thing to hear about these fires mm-hmm. and like, yeah. oh, someone lost their house, but like to see these like, it's so crazy, it's yes. so sad, mm-hmm. and like, just these like, I mean, most of his photos are of water treatment systems, but to see them just like melted yeah. and stuff, it's crazy. So, um, it's very sad. I think that was all. One other thing he mentioned, too, which I thought was interesting, was a lot of these um, houses are in the hills and, like, in the mountains, and the neighborhoods are closed off right now, and because there's so many, I think it's to deter, like, looters and stuff, but also people just, like, come in to check out the wreckage. Um, So the police will only let residents in, and they have to check IDs, so... He's having a hard time getting to his customers mm. because he can't get access <gasps> oh. to the houses unless he has like a resident. I was gonna say him. unless they meet him. Yeah, and it's like a whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. And he also said that like, and this was an issue I remember them saying with Hurricane Harvey too. Um, one of the biggest issues that these dealers or like anyone who like responding to these events runs into are is like traffic and. Mm-hmm roads being closed and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they have a hard time like physically getting to yeah. their customers. So it was a very interesting, uh, enlightening visit. So here is our my interview with John Foley. My name's John Foley and the business is PuroServe Water Systems located in Los Angeles, California. Uh, we're a full-service water treatment dealership. We do soft water, reverse osmosis, deionization, and we service and support uh, just about anything uh, related to water treatment. Okay. And where are we right now in relation to where the fires are? We're in the West San Fernando Valley, uh, Canoga Park, Woodland Hills, um, and the fires recent fire, the Woolsey fire, was uh, about a mile and a half or two miles to our west. It burned uh, all the way to the Pacific Coast, uh, Malibu area, which is about a 20-mile spread. And what has been your customers' experience, some of your customers' experiences with the fire, some of the calls you've gotten? Uh, we get a lot of calls that are general concern. The customers are under boil water orders. They want to know um, if they're a customer of ours and their system uh, still functions, if it's safe. Uh, anytime there's a boil water order, we do recommend that customers boil the water and we also recommend that they get their system serviced as early as it's uh, practical to do so. Um, uh, for people who aren't customers, we of course recommend follow the boil water order and uh, allow us to come out and test water and make recommendations based on their situation. 
And for customers with wells, um, what kind of damage can the fires cause, like from heat or pressure or anything like that? Um, wells are often set away from the home, so uh, well equipment, well pumps, um, well tanks, and all of the associated plumbing can be damaged from the heat. Uh, often you know that right away because you have no water into the house. Mm -hmm. um, uh, for well water treatment systems, the equipment can either be placed out at the well or it can be placed adjacent or next to the home or in the basement. Um, so it's all kind of largely the effect of how bad the fire was in their particular area. Um, not everybody was affected, but the ones that were affected were, most of them were total losses. Mm -hmm. And so for those customers that did have a total loss, what are you doing for them now? What are you able to do? Um, we're limited. It's still too early for some of them. A lot of people are not even allowed back into their homes. Mm -hmm. um, customers aren't allowed to occupy until utilities are restored and they're able to demonstrate that they have a clean water supply mm -hmm. that's safe. Um, so uh, for our customers, we always are very careful not to try immediately to sell them something new. Several of them have called and asked for uh, insurance value. What should they tell the insurance company the water system is going to cost to replace? Mm -hmm. um, but for, uh, for most of them, it's on a case-by-case -case basis, and we have to assess how badly their property was affected. And you were talking earlier about some of the communities that you can't get into. Mm -hmm. um, how are you dealing with some of the security concerns right now? Um, our business is, uh, we run a, a routed soft water business. We have service calls that are uh, often scheduled in advance. And um, uh, most of the Malibu Canyon area is still, um, they're allowing residents in with identification, but they won't allow our trucks in. We had road closures, uh, Malibu Canyon and Pacific Coast Highway, that caused uh, a lot of commuters that use those uh, thoroughfares to be diverted. So it's had the adverse effect of affecting traffic all over. So even when we're heading in the opposite direction from the fire, we're still finding that our travel times are increased by, by uh, an hour sometimes to get where we're going. Mm -hmm. um, and then you were mentioning earlier to some of the people who call in here and have completely lost their homes and you have to be sensitive to that. Can you talk a little bit about how you're working with these customers who have just experienced this traumatic well, we, we always try to be uh, fair-minded with anybody who calls us, and when somebody calls to tell us that their house has been lost, we're crediting bills, we're trying to be as compassionate as possible, and let them know that we're here for them uh, if and when they are able to rebuild. Um, in general, it's just trying to be neighborly and, and um, uh, uh, give that little bit of moral support where we can. A lot of customers have uh, specific concerns. We had one recently who wasn't affected by the fire. Uh, the city has told him his water is safe to drink, but he thinks that it smells funny. He's lived in the house a long time. Um, 
it resulted in a, a sale of new equipment to that homeowner, but it was mostly, I think, for his peace of mind. Um, so uh, our business has always been one that doesn't push people or, or use a hard closing technique to sell our stuff. We, we uh, grow our business based on uh, providing good service and um, uh, giving customers options that make sense and knowing what we're doing. <laughs> so stay tuned for videos from our trip because we're gonna have a lot yeah and they'll be really cool and awesome what and Let's amazing cut that out. they'll be super cool <laughs> awesome super, and super yeah they'll be great okay they'll be cool and awesome good job Amy. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good i regret it <laughs> Well, anyway. in, any, in any case, let's talk about our, <laughs> I guess we can talk about our issues before we close out. Um, so the January issue for um, Water and Waste Digest, um, I have an article I'm working on on funding. Um, for January, I talked to an individual from Badger Meter about some, how they're trying to make things more affordable for people, especially now with municipal money being difficult to spend on larger projects, um, just because the funding sources are harder to come by. Um, and I'll be talking to Vanessa Leiby from WEMA as well. She's going to talk a little bit more about kind of the the governmental landscape when it comes to financing and um, the funding structures that are available there. Um, and then to also tag on to this, um, in 2019, we're doing a weekly series on the state revolving funds. So each state will have a different week. Um, that they get posted. We're aiming to start posting those in January. Um, there will be a landing page with all of them and it's going to include the contact information and the contact name of the person um, handling that state revolving fund for that particular state. Um, we have a little form questionnaire on some of the common misconceptions of SRF funds for that particular state, challenges people have, um, mistakes, things that people overlook. Just trying to give a resource to our our audience on um, how they can best find state revolving fund money and how they can best make their application work in that regard. Um, but yeah, that's primarily what the January issue is, funding, kind of looking at 2019, what's the landscape and where do we go from here. Cool. Again, cool. Um, <laughs> and awesome. And awesome, in fact. Um, so WQP's January issue, um, the big feature in there is our industry forecast. We spoke to four, well, we got input from four different um, experts. We've got Polly Undesser from the WQA, Frank Bergano from Marwin Water, um, James Peterson from Crystal IS, and Rick Andrew from NSF talking about what they see for 2019 and a big trend that all four of them mentioned uh, was contaminants, both emerging contaminants like our good friend PFAS, which seems to be popping up everywhere, and lead, um, lead in schools specifically is what Rick Andrew was talking about, um, Legionella, all sorts of things. So check that out. They all have some really good insight. Um, we also have our commercial water special section, which um, there are actually two articles about Legionella in there. One is specific to the healthcare industry. Um, 
So yeah, check that out. We also have, would like to put a plug in for our um, Faces of the Industry issue in March. We have young professionals and an industry icon that we feature in that issue. So um, if you would like to nominate yourself or someone else as a young professional or an industry icon, please do so. Um, the information's on our website, wqpmag.com, or you can email me or us at our podcast or wqpeditor at sgcmail.com, talking underwater at sgcmail.com, we're everywhere. So um, get your nominations in because... I'll, I'll tag on that too because we will be starting, we'll, we'll have a form up by the end of the year um, for our young professionals as well. If they're, the nominations aren't due until March, but... I'll, I should say that we have nominations available now, too, for Water and Waste Digest. That's more of the municipal side of things. But, um, yeah, definitely get involved with our with both of our programs um, for young professionals. We like highlighting the up-and-coming talent that we see in our industry. Yeah, don't you want to see your face in a magazine? How <laughs> fun is that? Um, WQP's deadline is January 3rd, so get on it. That's all. Cool. I don't have a January issue. So, see you in February. <laughs> <laughs> so, happy holidays. Happy New Year. We'll yeah. see you next year. See you in 2019. See you in 2019. Bye. Hey, everybody. This is Bob Crossan again. Totally forgot to do our housekeeping at the end of this episode. If you like our podcast, please like, subscribe, rate it on iTunes. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Google Play. You can find us on SoundCloud where we host everything. And if you want to send us any questions or if you have anything that you'd like to share with us, particularly if you have some statements that you'd like to make about the waters of the U.S. or if you have some ideas of how that could be addressed, please drop us a line, talkingunderwater at sgcmail.com. Happy holidays, and we'll see you next year. Mm-hmm.